Hi, I'm Lisa Potter, the host of the Women Who Lead podcast. Several weeks ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with Sheila Harper, the founder and director of Save One. Save One is a ministry that's located in Nashville, Tennessee, and it was developed as an abortion recovery ministry for men and women. She comes to us today with a voice of experience, and her ministry is birthed out of that passion as well. I hope you enjoy the podcast today with Women Who Lead and our guest, Sheila Harper. Others who suffer, I had so isolated myself that I thought I was the only one that suffered after an abortion because politicians and society told me that this was my right and I sh- mm-hmm. that this was supposed to be good for me. But I knew what was computing on the inside was not me- lining up with what society was telling me. And so I finally went to this class after I stood them up three times. Okay, It's really hard to go to this class. It's really hard. I'm not going to lie to you. But I finally went to this class on the fourth try. I'm so glad they still took my phone call after that. But on the fourth try, I went. And on the very first night, I knew this was different. Because the other, and back then it was just women. So all the other women in the class were telling my story. Like everything they were saying they had been through, that's what I was dealing with. I became reliant upon drugs and alcohol. I have suicidal thoughts all the time. I'm having nightmares. I remember the date. I hate myself. You know, it was like all of this. And they validated everything I had been through these last seven years. That's why community is so important. We, we need each other. We have to have each other. And so I went through this class. It absolutely changed my life. The women who led this class had their own stories that they had dealt with and now were comforting me with the same comfort God had comforted them with, which is scripture. I love that scripture. And that's all they were doing was just living out God's word. And so... I immediately signed up at the pregnancy center, started working there. I uh, fast forward a little bit. We moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I'm sure you guys could tell I'm from the South. Uh, I don't hear my accent, but everybody says I have one. Um, but uh, So I, we moved to Nashville, and I started, we got involved in a real big church up there. And I went to the pastor and asked him if he wanted me to teach this class because, you know, I knew I knew how to help women and I wasn't doing anything. Mm -hmm. And so I I started teaching this class there at Cornerstone Church in Madison, Tennessee. And on the very first night, I heard a woman say, if I could just save one unborn baby, I would be willing to tell my story. And when she said that, I knew all the years that I taught this class in Chattanooga, working at the pregnancy center, that someone had said that phrase, if I could just save one unborn baby, I would be willing to tell my story. But this night, it was like all the bells and whistles went off, and God started showing me how we needed to provide platform for these men and women to tell their stories so people aren't believing the lie like I did. Mm And so after I went through the study, we started Save One. We got our nonprofit status in 2000, and I haven't been able to be quiet about what God did for me since then. I I refuse to allow any more of my brothers and sisters to believe that abortion is the answer for any problem. Mm. So now we 
have we've been doing this 21 years. This year we came full we became fully appointed AG home yes, missionaries. Yes. I'm so excited about that. Um, and we just I mean we just did that in March. Uh, but now we operate. I literally thought this was just going to be a Bible study I taught at my church. And now we have 330 chapters in 27 nations around the world. And, and I, I told them Saturday that it, doesn't, it didn't grow to that size because, you know, I'm some marketing genius. It grew to that size because the need is so great. And when we yeah. offer it, people come forward. When we offer it in the church, it's like people are like, oh, my gosh, you mean I can talk about this hard subject in the church? Mm-hmm. I literally two weeks ago was me and two other men were teaching a men's training to raise up men to teach save one, and isn't that awesome? And uh, the the there was a man there that said, "I don't think there's anybody at my church who's ever had an abortion," and the gasp in the room, everybody was like, "Really?" And and I was like, it would be an anomaly. It's literally one out of every three women of childbearing age in this room. It's not just out there happening to, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever label you want to put on it. It's in this room, one out of every three women, which means one out of every three men of of childbearing age has lost fatherhood. And so the numbers are rampant through our society. So I don't know if you wanted all those details, but... I love it. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, I love how you're bringing the men into it because that was, I know when I met you, a part of that, the Save One ministry that I would not have thought about, you know, the sorrow and the grief that they go through as well. So tell a little bit to the women, like, because I want them to know that this is a resource for their church. Uh, How would they go about that? Um, You were talking about Save One chapters and... yes. The Bible studies. So just, yeah, expound a little bit on that for us. Uh, Well, to just tell you a little bit about what you were talking about, the men being brought in, I I believe that the other side of this debate was ingenious in doing one thing. They made this all about women. It's Mm -hmm. my body. It's my choice. You know, we've all heard the mantra. And by doing that, they completely closed the mouths of our protectors, our providers, the men who are supposed to lead us, and the woman is left out here vulnerable making a decision she was never created to make. And so bringing the men back into this is such a powerful moment for so many. So yes, it is very important to to recognize that this is just as much a man's issue as it is a woman's issue, and to recognize the agenda behind taking the men out of it back in the 70s. Uh, but then you, you, what else did you say? You want to, I The had chapters. To, oh, yeah, the uh, chapters. How training, church, you come and do training, Yes. Right? We've done as much of the homework for you as possible. How we help people is simply by three Bible studies that me and my husband wrote. It's not some big elaborate you know, huge plan. It is literally (laughs) three Bible studies that we wrote. We wrote the women's study, or I wrote the women's study, and we started having success with that, and and women were starting to talk openly about the fact that they had been in the Save One class. And a man came to me and asked to go through the women's Bible study. And I don't know if any of your husbands have ever asked to go through a women's Bible study. You know that's got to be some pain. (laughs) If a man 
is doing that. And so I didn't really know what to do with him, but I, I had promised God that I would speak to whomever and help whoever he put in my path. So I said, sure, come on to the women's class. Yeah. And so I had to give him a little pink book with flowers on the front. <laughs> that was the cover back then. And, but he worked through, he just changed the pronouns, worked through the Bible study. It was absolutely beautiful. So then I realized men do suffer after an abortion. So me and my husband wrote the men's study. Then we started having grandparents and siblings of aborted children, people who drove someone to an abortion clinic 20 years ago and are still suffering because they feel like they were complicit in that death. And so they, uh, we wrote a third Bible study called The Ripple Effect. And all three of these Bible studies mirror each other. And so it's easy to offer this at your, at your church just as part of your small groups and say anyone who is abortion wounded. So it's not a woman's Bible study. It is a, a family crisis. It's a family Bible study that anyone can come to man, woman, or, you know, a grandparent or whatever, anyone who has been deeply impacted by this issue and just go through it as part of your small groups. We train you. We have training videos that you can purchase. They're, I mean, they're like $65. I think that's the most expensive thing we have. We have made everything extremely affordable. The, the training videos are... Um, you can get them online, or we have an online training that we do that's a condensed version of our training, or we come to your place and do an all-day in-person training. That's one of my favorite things that we do because we have a lot of fun at our trainings. But we get your leader trained, and then they, we have a person that is over every state in America, a, a staff member. And so you have that staff member that you can call for help for questions for prayer for whatever we don't just say good luck you know have yeah. fun with that and you never hear from us again we have a strong network with our chapters love so we've it. made it really easy love it yeah thank you um so as a resource um thinking about our churches and the fact that you know we say that he whom the sun sets free is free indeed and we talk about that, and I believe that, yes. But I know that when we come to salvation with all of our junk and we get up from the altar that morning or evening or in our bedroom, wherever it happened, we still have the junk. Mm -hmm. And shame is really a stronghold of the enemy to propel us forward, to keep us from going forward into our discipleship and our spiritual formation, you know, that God wants to, you know, he's created us in his image and he wants us to be whole and transformed. And so I think when I heard you at the conference that I was at in January for the, for the first time, I just was like, our churches need to know about Save One. Thank you. You know, they need to hear Sheila's story because it's important that we recognize that that Sheila has walked the journey. She and Jack have created the resources that you need to take it into another level of small group, into your church of discipleship, and realizing that when people are coming to Christ or those who have been in our churches for a long, long time and are just holding the shame, they've not been able to talk to anybody about it, that there are resources there. And it's a proven, like, there's a scientific thing about the brain 
that they've taken people who have, have um, had trauma in their life and they've done a scan of the brain. And then after these people have got into, attended these healing programs like Alcoholic Anonymous or Save One or these various things are there, they will, they will afterward do a scan of their brain and their brain begins to heal itself. It's called the power of story because shame locks it in. We keep it hidden and it affects us physically in all of those ways. But when we begin to unlock it and begin to tell the grace story that only God can give to us, there's like physical evidence that our brain is changing. So I would just say thank you for being faithful. Thank you. Yes, thank you for that pregnancy center that had it on the radio. But faithfulness has been an important part of your story, hasn't yes, it? absolutely. Share a little bit about, like, the importance of us being faithful. Yes. Well, when I look back on that time, you know, it's easy to take it for granted. Like, oh, yeah, they, they ran a radio ad, and they showed up, and that was their job to, to you know, to to teach this Bible study. But when I look at it, there's one trait that was throughout that whole story is faithfulness. I am so thankful that the women who led that Bible study took the time mm -hmm. to deal with their own junk and get their own healing and then show up every day to volunteer at this pregnancy center. And then they were faithful to keep allowing me to make an appointment and then stand them up and then make an appointment and then stand them up. And then finally, I showed up the fourth try, like I said, but they were faithful to me. Do you have any idea how thankful I am that they didn't get offended and, and quit or get offended and walk away or go to a different pregnancy center to work or, you know, whatever. They were faithful to where God had them. And because of that, they completely changed my life. I mean, I know it was God, but they were the conduit through their faithfulness. They shined this light of Jesus' love and mercy and healing and forgiveness over my life. And it changed the entire trajectory of our family. It affected my boys. It affected my marriage. It affected my husband, their faithfulness. And so being faithful, don't take that for granted. Look at, look at, look at this room. I mean, this is, this is the fruit of your faithfulness. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just show up one day. Mm -hmm. Faithful, faithfulness is, is like that word that warms me because you know the faithful are the ones who rise to the top. They're the ones you call on. They're the ones you know are going to show up for you and have your back. And so it's so important to be faithful. Even if you don't see the results immediately, just keep being faithful because nothing in the kingdom of God is wasted. Nothing, not one thing. And even if you're faithful to something and it doesn't turn out like you thought it would, like you pour your life into somebody and then they walk out and they leave you or they betray you or, you know, we've all been there. But even when you do that, you've just got to remember that, that maybe I'm the one who planted the seed mm -hmm. and somebody else is going to water it and yeah. somebody else is going to harvest it. But I know I did my part and nothing in the kingdom of God is wasted. You've yeah. got to be faithful, 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 faithful. 
Yes, I love it. We've heard that before, haven't we, in the Potomac? <laughs> Scott Wilson, faithful, faithful, faithful. Yeah. Sheila, this has been amazing. Um, I love what you said about how God redeems. There's nothing wasted. That's been a story in my own life as well. And I think if we can be reminded of that, um, I know Frank always corrects me a little, like gently corrects me. But he says, um, you know, I'll say, I'm going to go spend time with Julia. And he'll say, no, you're going to invest time with Julia. And, you know, he loves that little, he's like, we don't spend, we invest. And so it's, it's really that same way when I think about the redemption of Christ in all of our lives here in this room, how he has redeemed what we felt like were wasted years, maybe. And they're not wasted years. It's the redemption and the grace of God that moves in and through us. So as we close this segment, you're going to hear from Jack and Sheila this morning um, again. And so I'm excited about that. And we're going to go a little deeper into your story but would you pray over the women? Um, there may be some of you in here that, that you have experienced what Sheila had to walk through as well, and you've been carrying that, as well as those of you that, as Sheila was talking, you were just saying, we need this in our church. And I want you to pray over them that every step of getting a Save One chapter in their church would just move forward as God is directing. Sure, I would love to. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. I lift up every soul that is represented in this room, Lord. You know the people who are attached to each one of these women. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you pour into them exactly what yes. they need so it runs out into the people who are attached and and they can change their life for the better and lord if there is something in there that is is keeping them from being faithful keeping them from being fruitful lord i pray that you will start to to just loosen it from that place in their heart that they've kept it locked up lord let them open up and recognize how the enemy has had a stronghold on their life as long as they hang on to it and keep it hidden and and allow that shame to stay in their lives lord i pray right now that as you are ministering to each one of these souls i pray that they will open that they will say, yes, Lord, you have full access. Do in me what you want, God, so I can be that light to shine everywhere you go, to shine your love and your mercy and your forgiveness. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that as people are making decisions or maybe the, that wound has been reopened by this conversation, Lord, I pray yes. that, that people don't get scared and back away, mm -hmm. but that they become brave and they start recognizing that you are their source of courage and mm -hmm. they can walk forward and they can deal with things from the past. And so, Lord... I just pray right now that you carry them, keep them, guide them, lead them, give yes. them the comfort and love and peace that they need to see this thing through. Yes. Lord, I love you. I praise you. I thank you for this opportunity. And all God's people said, amen. amen.